Uh, if you have your Bible today, we are continuing our series through the book of Proverbs, and it's called Words to Live By. And so we're going to be going through this series of messages throughout the summer, because here, here's what I really believe. I believe that we are living, uh, once again, we are living in a time where we need wisdom at more than any other time that I can think of in my life. And so today we're going to be looking in Proverbs chapter 8 and verse number 12 in just a few moments. And the reason why we are looking into the book of Proverbs is because the book of Proverbs is considered the book of wisdom. And so I can't think if you're looking for wisdom and you want to know how to live and you want to be a wise person, then it makes a whole lot of sense to me to actually look in a book that proclaims to be a book of wisdom. So does that make sense to you all? Makes sense to me. Now, here's what's interesting to me about the Bible. Uh, the Bible is proclaimed to be the most uh, well-sold well book in all of history. Uh, it's been estimated that over 5 billion copies of the Bible have been sold. Uh, Bible, the Bible industry will tell you every year selling Bibles is about a billion-dollar business. All right, some of us need to get into the Bible business, right? And so it's a lot of people selling Bibles. And yet, while we call this book the inspired Word of God, while we believe it is a book of wisdom, it is also, while it's the most popular book, it is the least read book that we have. And so I have to say, well, what's, what's the deal with that? Why in the world would we not pay attention to what Scripture says? Reminds me uh, of a story of a guy named Rob Cutshaw who had found a blue rock. Now, that's kind of strange in itself, but he found this blue rock, and he tried to sell it a few different times, and nobody wanted to buy it, so he kept it, kept it in his attic for like 20 years, didn't think about it, and then he said, you know, I thought maybe I could sell it if I was in desperate need of money for a couple hundred dollars, but he went and had it appraised after over 20 years. This is a true story. You can Snopes this one. And so he takes it, and he gets it appraised after over 20 years, and what they discover is it is a sapphire that weighs almost a pound. It is now called the, it is the Star of David Sapphire. It is worth over $2.75 million. Now here's a guy that had this rock in his house, and yet he had absolutely no idea how much value it had. All right, now here's a correlation. Most of us have this book somewhere in our house, and yet we don't understand the treasure that is in this book. We don't understand the wisdom that is in this book that can lead us to life. And so God has given us the book of Proverbs as a place for us to look in order to find wisdom for today. Now, today in our scripture, what we're going to do is we're just simply going to see the importance of tapping into the wisdom of Proverbs. And believe it or not, uh, probably more in the second service than this service, this is not a book that you just like put down on your coffee table so that other people will look at you and think he is much more religious than he really is. Uh, this book is meant to be read. This book is meant to be applied to our lives. Now listen to what the Bible says about itself. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and it is what? It's profitable. Now, that's a good thing. It's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's pretty all-encompassing. 
And so that's why today we're going to look in Proverbs chapter 8 in verse number, uh, verse number 12 in just a few moments. Now, just as a little uh, rehash here to, to see how well we're doing, as we've had a few messages on the book of Proverbs, let me ask you a question. Who wrote most of the Proverbs? Solomon. Okay, gold stars for everybody. Good job. Okay, Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs. Now, he wrote Proverbs in order to share his wisdom from his life because he had a son. And his son was coming up. His son one day was going to be king. He's like, listen, I want you to have the wisdom of God as you lead. That's why he said in the very first chapter, in verses 8 through 10, Solomon wrote, listen, my son, to your father's instructions and don't reject your mother's teaching, for they will be a garland of grace on your head and a gold chain around your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. Now what we're going to see is that God's word, God's wisdom will produce certain outcomes in your life. Whenever we pay attention to what God says and we decide that we're going to live it, then there are some things that it will produce in your life. And one thing wisdom produces in your life is it produces skill. Whenever you have wisdom, you will be a person who has skill. Now look with me in verse number 12. Said, I, wisdom, share a home with shrewdness and have knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. To fear the Lord, now look at that again. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate arrogant pride and evil conduct and perverse speech. The word wisdom, it, it means skill. It's talking about a skill for living. So if you're a person who has wisdom... You're a person who's going to know how to manage your life, make decisions with skill so that you are living in such a way that you're going to be pleasing to God. Now, if you want to have skill at, at anything, how do you attain skill? The one thing you do is you practice. If I'm going to be skilled at something, then I have to practice it over and over again. Now, if I'm going to practice something over and over again, then I want to make sure that I'm doing it in the right way. And, and the same idea is true spiritually. If I'm going to have skill for living in a way that God wants me to live, then it's going to be important for me to practice over and over again what God's Word says. And that is the instruction book, so to speak, for us in how to live in a way that will please God. That's why we are going through the book of Proverbs. If we're going to live with skill, we want to see what God has to say concerning how we are to live. So what happens if we put into practice what God says? Well, you're going to be a skilled person. You're going to be living a life in a way that honors God. Uh, from, from studying the brain, and I, I like giving illustrations like this to make y'all think that I'm smarter than I really am. But from studying the brain, I've observed this. No, I'm kidding. From studying the brain, scientists have observed that whenever you have a thought pattern over and over again, that it, it digs, literally, it, like it digs a trench in your brain. So that whenever a certain situation arises, what you've been thinking about over and over again, that information that you have in your mind, it, it, it tells you how to act. So that's why you want, to, you want to dig good trenches in your mind. Um, I mean, think about it like water. A water. Water travels best and quickest whenever it's going down a, a trench that's already been dug. 
And so that is why we want to take God's word and put it into our mind and see what God has to say over and over again so that when circumstances of life arise, that our go-to in our response is going to be what God's word says. So how do we have the skill for living? How can I have a skill for making good choices in my life? It really comes out to something fairly simple. It is putting into my mind over and over again what this word says. What God has to say. And so as I do that over and over again, then it will become natural for me to begin to make decisions in a way that will honor God. So that's why I always encourage people, hey, if you're not reading the Bible yet, start reading it. I said, where do I start? Um, Well, I'll give you one suggestion. Uh, Don't start like in Leviticus or Deuteronomy. Nothing wrong with those books, but if you want to to start somewhere in reading Scripture, start in the book of John. Uh, That's why in our church we find it really important for people to gather together and to become a part of our V group ministries, our small groups, where we get together during the week and, and we just simply go over Scripture and we talk about it, say, how does this apply to our life? What does it mean for us? How do we, how do we live? And, and as we learn wisdom and as we talk about it and we begin to apply scripture into our lives, verse number 13 shows some natural things that come out of it. If you look in verse number 13, it says, as you live in wisdom, one thing that will happen is you will begin to hate evil. You'll hate those things that are, that are bad for you. That, that word evil, it means malignant. Now, whenever I think of a malignancy, I think of like a cancer. Now, if you have a cancer in your life, what do you want to do with it? You want to cut it out. You know, you want to, you want to get rid of it. And, and Solomon doesn't pull any punches here. He's very straightforward. He says that wisdom will lead you to hate and to get rid of that which is evil. And yet, here, here's what I see too many times in the lives of people and sometimes in my own life. Instead of hating evil and moving it out of my life, I like to play with it sometimes. You know, I like to, like to play with, with things that are, that are ungodly. We, we, play with, we play with pornography. We play with addictions. We play with lying and cheating. We play with being self-centered and all these different things. And so what happens is that, that evil, as you play with it, it can begin to grow in your life in such a way that it can begin to destroy you. And so that is why we are told by Solomon, you want to in, in, uh, immerse yourself in Scripture in order to keep evil away. You know, to me, it's like, it's like sunscreen. You can look at me and tell that I'm a guy that needs sunscreen. I don't tan very well, and so I put on sunscreen in order to keep myself from getting burned. God's Word is like a sunscreen for your life that can keep you from getting burned. And so whenever I look into the Bible, I see that God desires for us to have wisdom, and wisdom produces skill. The skill to live in a way that's going to please God. But wisdom also produces clarity in your life. It helps you to see what's real. Now now look with me in verse number 14. And this is wisdom being personified. It says, she says, I possess good advice and competence. I have understanding and strength. It is by me that kings reign and rulers enact the law, enact just law. By me, princes lead, as do nobles, and all righteous judges. Now, whenever you have wisdom, 
you began to be able to see clearly. And being able to see clearly, I mean, it's really important. I mean, just, you know, physically it's important for us to see clearly. When we see clearly, we're able to tell you know, what path we're to walk down. When you see clearly, you're able to see pitfalls and what paths to avoid. Um, now, for me, whenever I think of being able to see clearly, I think of people who wear contacts and glasses. How many of y'all wear, wear contacts or glasses? Any of y'all? Man, we've got bad genes in here. I'm one of the people, too. I can't, I can't see very well. I mean, do you remember what it was like the first time you wore glasses? Y'all remember that? I, I was a senior in high school when I got my first pair of glasses. And I remember I, I got the glasses on, and I, it, it made a difference for me when I got in the car and I began to drive home. I was driving home for the first time. I was able to read street signs. You know, without going like 70 miles an hour and then slowing way down and squinting, you go at 20 miles an hour trying to figure out what street I'm supposed to turn on. I could read all the signs, and I could continue to do 70. Um, and, and the other thing is I was driving along. Now, here was the biggest one for me. As I was driving along, I was able to, the big thing that I noticed more than anything else was pine trees. Any of y'all have that? I remember that for the first time, I looked at pine trees, and I realized they have individual needles. And I was like, oh my gosh, because before, pine trees had just been a big green blob. And then all of a sudden, I was able to see with clarity. I was able to pick up the details. Now, in our text, wisdom is saying, you need me as wisdom because, because I will help you to see things clearly. And throughout the Bible, you see that we live in a world that is filled with darkness. And wisdom is saying, I am a light. And I shine a light in the midst of darkness so that you will be able to see, so that you'll be able to see the pitfalls of life and know how to live. That's why in our verses we just read, it says wisdom possesses good advice. It has confidence. It has understanding and strength. In other words, God's word, the Bible, has words of wisdom for us that will give us guidance for the right way to live. Not according to my way, but according to God's way. Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that seems right to a man, but its, its end is the way to death. Now, wisdom, God's word, is a light for us to help us to see things as they really are. To help us to see how God desires for man to live. Psalm, Psalm 119, 100 in the verses following says, Wisdom says, I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. I've kept my feet from every evil path to follow your word. I've not turned from your judgments, for you yourself have instructed me. How sweet your word is to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Now, if, if, we, if we live in the darkness and refuse to ever seek the light... And there's a lot of ramifications that come with that. You don't know where in the world you're going. Okay, when I look over and over again at what we're experiencing right now in this life, guys, we are traveling in darkness in our world. I, mean, I, I look at some of the stuff that's on the news. I, I read the newspaper. I'm not going to, uh, I mentioned a couple things last week. It is almost like we see this like burning flame in front of us that's ready to incinerate anything that comes near it, and we are sitting in a car with a gas pedal slammed all the way down to the floor saying, let's just see how fast we can get there. We live in a world that needs 
the light. It needs wisdom. If you want to see the world have wisdom, you know where it's going to begin? It's going to begin with you and with me as believers putting into practice what God says. I mean, would you agree that we live in a, we live in a nation that needs the light? Right, guys, our nation needs a light. You know who the light is? It's you. It's me. In the, in the Pacific Northwest, it's overcast most days. And people suffer from what they call light deprivation, and it can cause mood swings and depression. And uh, it's actually, it has a name. It's a seasonal affective disorder. It's called SAD, which is appropriate. And so there's a lot of people that are depressed because of, they don't see enough sun. And so, so what happens is doctors encourage people, they say, well, get light panels inside your house and sit in front of those light panels. And what happens is as people are exposed to this light, it, it lifts them out of depression. That same thing is true for us spiritually. There are people who look around them and all they see is overcast. They see the darkness and they are depressed because there is no hope, there is no future. But when the light of God's word is shined on people, it can transform and change lives. That's why Jesus said you have been called to be a light into the world. Now as a church, how, how can we be a light into the world as a church? Let me give you a couple of things that I've seen here in our church. And I think this is one of the really neat things. I didn't even know about this until just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Matthew Phillips, our youth pastor, he's on a council up at Blythewood Middle School. And as he was at the school, they were talking about how they needed landscaping done at the school, but they really couldn't afford it. And so Matthew talked to some people in our church about helping out Blythewood Middle School. Over the last few weeks, we've had some men and women from our church who go over to Blythewood Middle School, and they've been doing landscaping over there for free. Now, why would you do anything for free? And what a bunch of suckers. Yeah, you, know why they're, you know why they do it for free? You know, they went up there because they said, we want to serve. We want our school to see that we are on their side, that we, that we are a people who've been touched by God, and we want to share his grace. Another thing that has happened in just the, the last uh, few weeks, we had our, our village band, and then our West Campus, they got together, and they hosted balloons and tunes. Y'all remember hearing about that. And they're over at Westwood High School, and they got a hot air balloon. They're giving free hot air balloon rides. And then the band played music, and like, it was like 200 degrees outside, and they're standing on top of a trailer. They sang for hours and hours, and hundreds of people came out. Now, now why did they do that? They did that because they wanted to be in the community saying we are a church that is about giving to the community and we're not looking to see what we can take from people they wanted to shine the light guys we are here because we desire to be a community that's going to help bring about transformation because of who jesus is and that's what wisdom does for us what wisdom does for us is it, it produces skill in how we live but it also opens our eyes to the fact we live in a dark world People need hope, and they need to know that there's a God who loves them, a God who has answers. The last thing I want you to see is that wisdom also will produce this. It will produce blessings. Wisdom brings blessings. Now, look in the last few verses I'll read. Verse number 17, wisdom says, I love those who love me, and those who search for me, find me. With me are riches and honor, lasting wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than solid gold, and my harvest than pure silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, giving wealth as an inheritance to those who love me, and filling their treasuries. Now these verses let us know that God is the giver of wisdom. 
And if you're a person that says, you know what, I don't think I have a whole lot of wisdom in my life, here's the good news for you. You can ask for it. And if you ask for wisdom, God says, I will give you wisdom. In James 1.5 it says, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. God is an equal opportunity employer when it comes to giving out wisdom. He did not just say, I'm only giving wisdom to a certain group of people. He says, I'm giving wisdom, I'm sharing wisdom with those who ask for it and who desire it. So, so why is the wisdom of God something to seek after? Because well, it's lasting. Because it's true. Because it stands the test of time. You know, God's wisdom is not licking your finger and sticking it up to the wind and saying, which way is popular opinion blowing? God's wisdom is rooted in truth and in precepts that last for all time. And I think it's interesting that in 1 Corinthians 3, it calls the wisdom of the world foolishness. Now, why is that? It's not lasting. Yeah, the wisdom of the world is constantly changing. You know, what we used to say was right like 10 years ago, it's already changed. I mean, it's totally different. It is in flux all of the time. And, and the wisdom of the world also is very self-seeking. Wisdom of the world says, get all that you can for yourself. Wisdom of the world says, try to seek after power. Try to have as much stuff that you can. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with having stuff, and there's nothing wrong with, with having power, but if that is your sole objective in life, you're going to be disappointed. You know why? Because it's, it's finite. It doesn't last forever. Newsflash, nobody in here is going to live forever on this earth. If you get stuff, what naturally happens is you always want more. You always want more. But what does the wisdom of God provide? Well, in our verses we just read, it says it provides lasting wealth and righteousness. I said, well, that sounds good. Does that mean I get a new car? Does that mean that I'm going to get to be the president of my own company? Yes, let me tell you something. It means more than that. It means life eternal. It means hope in the midst of darkness. It means that we can know that we are standing on solid ground regardless of what happens to us. The Bible says that whenever we place our hope in the wisdom of God and we trust him, then we become a part of the family of God. We become his heir. And you listen to what that means. In Philippians 4.19, it says, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know what that means for me? You know what that does for me? It says, God will provide all my needs for me. Man, it takes all the pressure off of me. I mean, I'm able to relax. No, God has promised that he's going to take care of his people. God has promised that he is going to provide for his people. And that knowledge brings me contentment. Now, here's a question for us. Do you have contentment in your life? Yeah, are you satisfied in your life? And I'm not saying, you know, are you, are you just kicking back, not doing anything? I mean, do you have this satisfaction knowing, you know what, regardless of what comes my way, I know I have a God who stands above it all, and he will take care of me for an eternity. You know, there's, a, there's an old story about an ancient Persian named Ali Hafed. And in this story, and this is a, it's, it's another true story, there was a guy who had a, had a large piece of property in, in Persia. And he was very satisfied, he was content, until a guy came along and said, 
there's been men who have found diamonds, and they've created diamond mines, and they've become very wealthy. And Ali Hafid wanted to have a diamond mine. He kind of got, it's like the gold rush, got infatuated with it. He sold his property, took all of his money, and he went out searching for diamonds. After a number of years, he, he never found it. And he became, he spent all of his money, he became so depressed that he ended up taking his own life. Now, here's the sad twist to the story. After he sold his land, years later, there was a man who owned the land who was walking his camel to a stream, and as he was getting a drink out of the water, he noticed something sparkling in the water. It was a diamond. The guy reached down, pulled the diamond out. It turned out to be the largest diamond find that's ever been found. Now, Ali Hafed was a guy who was not content, and he went looking for satisfaction away from his own garden, and he ended up dying in a foreign land, broke and depressed, when God had given him all that he needed right where he was. Guys, that there are too many of us who are spending our time and spending our lives searching for pleasure, searching for satisfaction outside of the garden that God has given us to dig in, which is his word. And we feel so incomplete, and we feel all alone. And God says, I've provided everything you need right here. Let me close with this. What are you digging after in this life? What are you looking for in this life? Because I want you to know that God, God made you on purpose, and he made you for a purpose, to live with wisdom and the kind of life that he desires for you to live so that other people can see the satisfaction that comes in God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now here's my challenge for you. My challenge for you is to seek the wisdom of God. And how do I do that? Take time to look and see what his word says. Take time to, to put yourself with other people who are seeking after what God says. Not what the world says, what God says. And then begin to apply it to your life. If you're not a part of a small group, become a part of one. If you've never taken time to really look and see what God's word has to say, make a commitment to the Lord today. Say, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to look into your word because your word is truth. And there's some of us who've been digging in other gardens, and it's time for us to quit seeking after all the junk and the popular opinion of the world and say, God, I'm going to trust that what you say is true, and I'm going to follow you. Guys, I really believe this. I believe if we do that, that what we'll begin to discover is that God's wisdom stands above everything else that man puts before us. And it's lasting. So the rest of summer, we're going to be looking at the book of wisdom and finding words to live by. Now, when we look into our text today, what does is, what is wisdom produce in our lives? Skill, clarity, blessings and i have no doubt that we need every one of these things and church we need to be a witness to having these things in our lives because we are in a place right now that is on the fast track to destruction and people need to see truth and that truth is going to come from here